0: Quest, live from the heart of brooklyn pull request is an hour-long podcast about everything in and relating to technology with three techno experts eric newman hi chris krabowski and tyler dinner hey there this week's episode encryption extended Hello everybody welcome to yet another Polar Quest. My name is Eric Newman and to the right of me is someone in the studio today, Tyler Dinner. Hi, how are you? I'm great, Eric. How are you doing? I'm doing quite well. It's nice to have you in the flesh. <laughs> it's been a while. It has been quite a while, even though hopefully it'll sound the same to our dear listeners. And of course... <laughs> (laughs) Uh, To my left is someone who is further west, a few blocks, Chris Grabowski, hi, how's it going?
1: Hi, Uh, alright, a little under the weather, but alright
0: I think we all are, I went to bed really early last night, I slept like 15 hours, and I have no energy today
2: (laughs) It's hibernation week
0: It is, it's what happens when it finally gets cold in our global warming era, and for one day, and then it's just, everybody gets sick
1: Yep Yep So, uh, what's been going on guys? Uh, not much. Seems like you've been finding protein bars on Grinder.
0: Uh, <laughs> it's a different type of protein, Christian. Uh, the thing is, you know, that's also non-dairy, which was the whole reason why I got these. Uh, <laughs> why I got why I got these uh, hippy protein bars because uh, I have I have an old man's disease, Christian. I have acid reflux. Yeah, I know, it's not funny. That's it's not an old man's
1: disease, but...
0: It, it's, I spent my 20s wearing away the lining in my esophagus, and now I have to... The day of reckoning has come. So, I what have to... I, a I have
2: silent to, killer. Yeah, yeah, I don't
0: get heartburn. That's the problem. None. Usually old people, you know, like me, they get the heartburn. That's how they know they shouldn't eat whatever it was. Me, I'm fine. I just... I'll, I'll save the gross details for another show.
2: We always knew Eric was old at heart, and now this proves it.
0: There we go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, Christian, have you heard of an AI bot to fight spam? Uh, A bunch. Oh, you've heard Um, of a bunch. Well, then this isn't news. Have you written uh, one? No. Oh. Well, why don't you tell us what they do, if there are a bunch of them?
1: Well, so there's a bunch out there, uh, particularly the one that actually works in Gmail to figure out uh, what is spam. And all it is, uh, you, you train it against what are spam Emails, and then after a while, the AI is able to identify what the spam emails are based on certain phrases, uh, certain domain names, and such.
0: Gotcha. Well, this AI bot actually does something more than that. It generates fake replies to the spammers and then sends reply emails back Hmm. using natural language processing and other beautiful things that come out of artificial intelligence. I'm not Uh, entirely
1: sure that's a good idea, though.
0: It's probably not a good idea in the sense that you should never respond to emails that are... Given by spammers, because then they'll know that it's actually a live person at the other end. Yep. However. The I'm going to send my I don't know if you can hear that. I cannot.
1: For... Hold on. An... What is that, Max Headroom? Do you do a bingo night? This is
0: a... This is a conversation between an AI bot and the spammer. Oh. And the spammer is supposed to... Please complete the attached form with your bank details, of course. You know what he's looking for. Or they're looking for. don't want to assume their gender. And, uh, yeah. And then the AI just gener- generates a reply with fake info. It's exactly like... It's, or I shouldn't say exactly. It's like that honeypot encryption or honey encryption that we talked about last week. Where it, it gives you fudge if you get an incorrect attempt... And then there's no way to really tell if if that is actually supposed to be the data. Mm Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Well, that was anticlimactic. Uh, Have you heard of Minix?
1: Yeah, that was the original OS that uh, Linus Torvalds developed uh, Linux on. Oh, really? Yep.
0: Uh, What is Minix,
1: exactly? It is a lightweight version of Unix.
0: Oh, uh, Christian, there seems to be a spider... In the studio, is currently slinking down its web. Tyler's trying to catch it. (laughs) Did you? You got it in the... Oh, Tyler caught it in the soda bottle. Yeah. (laughs) Good job, Tyler. And that sound you heard, as I also unplugged my headphones again so we can't hear it ourselves, is our wonderful studio audience. I keep them in a Tupperware container during the week, and I take them out on Sundays just for us. And it is a nice and crisp, cold Sunday evening. I'll be right back. Hold on. Ah. Every week, every week I do this. <laughs> it's in a different spot this week, and I still stepped on the cord. Anyway, you gotta be good at something. Yeah. Uh, so, Minix, Christian, you still there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Uh, what is Minix exactly? It's, it looks like it's being used inside of processors.
1: Yeah, these days it's used uh, uh, every once in a while in embedded systems, but this it, it is a lighter weight version of Unix that was a lot more portable. So back in the day uh, when Unix was designed for mainframes, Minix was like the idea, like, oh, you could run this on your personal computer.
0: Gotcha. And now it's being run on processors?
1: IoT, IOT uh, microprocessor type things, you know, embedded systems.
0: Right. Well, what's interesting is that the, uh, the professor or computer scientist who made Minix was not aware that Intel lifted it from him uh, and used it inside of their latest chips. Uh, thank you for putting a version of Minix inside the ME11 management engine chip used on almost all recent desktop and laptop computers in the world. I guess that makes Minix the most widely used computer operating system, even more than Windows, Linux, and Mac OS. And I didn't even know until I read a press release about it. So, huh. I, it, it boils down to some licensing, and I know, Christian, we had an episode where we talked about licensing.
1: I mean, I'm also not sure how true this is, and I'm a bit confused are you a whoa, bit confused, whoa. or are you a bite confused? <laughs> 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 oh,
0: I crack myself up. But,
1: um, um, psh- <laughs> uh, well, what is confusing about this, you? Well, the idea that it's on a single chip. Well, that, make, that makes sense. I mean, there's general, systems
0: on a chip these days, so it's yeah. a management chip. I'm sure it's really yeah. a chip of chips.
1: But uh, I, I also don't, don't understand the proof for this. What do you mean? Where's the proof in this? Proof of what? That Intel solid. Mi- it? That Minix is being uh, run on all these chips.
0: Uh, let's click the press report. Minix, the most popular... This is from Network World. The most popular OS in the world, thanks to Intel. Hmm. Uh, take a look at your desktop computer. What operating system is it currently running? It's using Minix. Huh. So, and It says, he says, all recent laptops and desktops. That's right, Minix. The Unix-like OS originally developed by Andrew Tannenbaum as an educational tool to demonstrate operating system programming is now built into every Intel CPU.
1: Interesting. Hmm.
0: Yes. And the thing is, is that they're allowed to do this because of the licensing agreements in, uh, under which Minix was created. And... I don't entirely, I totally forgot the discussion we had about licensing. But some people have pointed out that if Minix had a GPL license, Intel might not have been able to use it. Hmm. And they would have had to publish modifications to the code that they made. And it turns out that Intel was in uh, close consultation with, uh, with uh, Dr. Tannenbaum, Mr. Tannenbaum, and, mm-hmm. uh, about, hey, could you make this modification? Hey, could you do this? Hey, could you do that? And it turns out that just, they just lifted it, and then they're using it in, the, in their chips, and he gets bupkis. Hmm. How does that feel, uh, you know, he could just call it open source at this point, even though I know it's not, semantically. As someone that contributes a lot to open source repositories, Christian, you're not used to getting money for code.
1: Yeah, no, I'm I'm fine with people using my software. And
0: so what licensing do you release your software under?
1: Uh, Depends on the software. I have stuff under the MIT license, the BSD license, the Apache license. Gotcha. And why do you? What makes you choose these different licenses? Just the your depends. Like Apache, uh, the Apache model is like, hey, I want a governing body to manage this thing. Uh, the MIT license is kind of like, hey, you can modify this thing as you please, and uh, just I'm the original author. BSD license is very similar, but to the point where you can also say you can have uh, your own copies of this.
0: Gotcha. And it looks like this is the BSD license, Berkeley license. Um, okay. Yeah, Tyler.
2: Christian likes people using this software, but he's even a bigger fan when
0: they use his hardware. Hey, Christian, guess what? We were able to afford that. That's what I'm talking about, person. So they came back. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> he tried to go union, but we got him. We got him. <laughs> we said we're going to shut down Pneumonium, Enter- uh, Pneumonium Enterprises if you leave, if you want to unionize. Based, <laughs> based on our discussion last week. <laughs> you know, actually, based on the union discussion from last week, I want to mention that if you are running a media company and you are producing media, sometimes the people have to be in unions. Like SAG-AFTRA or Writers Guild or Directors Guild. And uh, you can't really produce a good, uh, high-quality production without using union workers and using union rules. Um, mm-hmm. I know that there is this equilibrium equation, of course, between unions that exploit companies and unions that exploit the members of the union, as well as the companies that love exploiting the workers, and that's why the unions exist in the first place. And so the real solution is finding an equilibrium between these two, uh, these two ideals, and it's really hard.
2: If mm-hmm. companies don't act like douches to their employees in the first place, we wouldn't have to have this problem. But
0: at the same time, the union ends up becoming as it grows, it becomes a giant bureaucracy anyway. And then it has Oh yeah, no, one douche creates another douche.
2: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So then So if you don't become a douche in the first place, then you won't create another douche to counter your douchiness. Right. It's the law of douche.
0: <laughs> <laughs> i like it i like it uh moving on it looks like someone found i don't know what a j tag is but i see i feel like that's a nickname you guys are about to give me
2: i already made a joke to you earlier
1: oh yeah
0: and
2: it's, for tracking, it's probably for <laughs> tracking jews for holiday marketing targeting
0: oh is that yeah uh it's to sell dreidels <laughs> uh, what what is this christian game over me and i underscore mackerel Markle have obtained a fully functional JTAG for Intel CSME via USB DCI. That is an uh, alphabet soup.
1: I'm actually not entirely sure, but I would assume uh, JTAG uh, would be some. This is uh, through its, uh, a uh, device control interface, I believe. I'm trying to understand what JTAG is. Well, it seems uh,
0: like it's inside of. Every modern ah. Intel processor and now can be exploited and owned via USB, says the nextweb.com. Interesting. And it's running Minix too, so if you can find an exploit in Minix and you can exploit everybody's CPUs. And that's not even getting updated, is it? Probably not. Probably not. Okay. Moving on. More Equifax Michigas. They don't know if they're actually encrypting their data at rest or not. Can you believe that, Christian? At rest? At rest, as in, as in when it's in
1: storage. That's hilarious. Do you not like
0: do you not like the term at
1: rest? No, I, I didn't know what it. It's a vague term. It is a vague term that was used by someone in
0: politics, so it might not be real. I didn't know what michagass meant. <laughs> it's a Yiddish word for BS. Uh, Following the Equifax breach, the former CEO Richard Smith and the current interim CEO Paulino de Rego Barros Jr. were called to testify before the Committee on Commerce, Science, and Transportation this week for a hearing entitled Protecting Customers in the Era of Major Data Breaches. During this hearing, Senator Cory Gardner from Colorado questioned Smith and Barros about Equifax's use or lack of encryption for customer data at rest. (laughs) Smith confirmed that the company was not encrypting data at the time of the Equifax breach, and Gardner questioned whether or not that was intentional.
2: So TLDR Equifax sucks even more than we thought?
0: Every week... They suck more. <laughs> every week, there's a new reason why Equifax sucks. I know you're tired of hearing We're about it. sorry. <laughs> I know you're sorry. tired of hearing about this, Christian. But seriously, it's a new, it's a new WTF every week. How did they? How could they be this bad? While they continue <laughs> to win government contracts, while their bottom line hasn't suffered.
1: The, the new BP. They are, but there have been like D- ten D-P-ing new BPs since US BP. Consumer.
2: It's like putting a microscope up to a turd, and then we just keep seeing more turd inside the turd.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, funny Funny uh, Moving on to our Where is it? I just had it
2: dun, dun, dun.
0: Ding, dun, ding, dun. Our New York Minute Much less somber Well, actually, there was a really big Disastrous thing that happened in New York this week, Christian And Tyler Starts Bill de Blasio got re-elected new.
1: Yeah, that is probably the greatest disaster New York has ever faced.
0: You know, and i what really hurt me out of everything was that Bernie was be rooting for him. Part of it. Mm. New York, New well, York. i you know, Bernie is doing cleanup work for the Democrats, and he's not, and they're not, no one cares.
2: Well, maybe DeBasio's next term is in Bernie's
0: pocket, so it'll be better. I don't know. After crushing, cruising right. to re election, he oh, yeah. easily uh-huh. defeated. The uh, Republican candidate who I actually voted for, I will say, voted Republican because she was a woman, and I would love a female mayor of New York, someone who is fiscally conservative yet socially liberal, Nicole Meliotakis, lost, unfortunately, to an easy win from Bill de Blasio. is
2: putting gender above party bra?
0: No! It was that she actually attacked de Blasio's lack of doing anything. And he's another one of these people that just talks a big game and doesn't do crap. Most mayors don't do much. That's why I want to run for mayor. I'll show you what a real the most mayor, does. mayor did
2: recently was Giuliani kicking out the hobos,
1: and you know
0: people did like that. Yeah,
1: and then, if they weren't probos, homes, uh, and then yeah, yeah, Bloomberg, who man, who was responsible for most of the gentrification that's true, of that.
0: yeah, and oh, yeah. banning sodas, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but let's see, from moving forward to towards closing Rikers Island um, to reforming the city's notoriously crazy property tax system, the mayor has put a lot of pressure on his second term because he's not going to do any of it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no. some of these but promises are holdovers no, you know, from the first... Have, sorry what he does have from clearly a black is, wife. he's got the same he's got the same uh, fashion stylist as Hillary Clinton you know they are personal friends ba- based on the, the picture of this re-election picture here he definitely whoever uh, buys his suits also buys Hillary Clinton's suits
0: My dad has uh, and Dr Eagles. my dad has a sectional couch in the color of Bill de Blasios suit. It is that is way too much. De Blasio, this is like it is uncomfortable. (laughs) It is a yeah, and he had to get a custom order too, which is really funny. Anyway,
1: why? Why
0: That was the first thing that I said. I was like, oh, they sell this at a store, and my dad goes, no, we got a custom. Like, great. I don't know why he's wearing such a royal blue suit, but. Some of these promises are holdovers from the first term, including his failed effort to reverse a rising kind of homelessness that's left a record number in city shelters. Yeah, because he's not doing anything outside of campaigning. They...
2: Maybe he's getting more people to the shelters He's got more campaigns going out to help them get to the shelters
0: But that's not going to help people from becoming homeless Which actually happens because of the insane cost of living in New York Yeah uh, The thing is, is that one thing that I don't actually, I, I don't know, I guess this wasn't really him Since the MTA is owned by the state The MTA introduced gender neutral announcements this week Have you heard any of them? No, what's that? Instead of ladies and gentlemen, they're saying everyone Thank God. Yes, so rather than spending money on fixing the... I'm, I'm not going to curse in the show, but Jesus. Fixing the tracks, fixing the trains, they just gave us new LCD panels, Wi-Fi hotspots, and gender-neutral announcements, which you will hear a lot of when your train is stuck because the tracks haven't been upgraded in 100 years. And this is still playing. Anyway. Who? Yeah. Yeah. People of Earth... <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, what Attention
1: do we, New York, stop being stupid
0: We've got to become a better city And we've got to do <laughs> it soon Call
1: all you people
0: We've got to <laughs> do it fast The mayor told a cheering crowd of supporters at the Brooklyn Museum Who already knew that New York was the greatest city in the world And slipping And slipping because of the people we continue to, we continue to elect to office Did you know that this last election had one of the lowest voter turnouts in New York history?
1: Yeah. Sounds about right. The
0: only people who voted were de Blasio's family. No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> sounds about right. And Eric.
0: And I did. And, I, and just one person, and I didn't vote for him. Did you guys vote? I went to go
1: see a doctor. You concert. know my situation. sweet.
0: Oh, yeah, you have a residency issue. You're an illegal immigrant.
1: Sort of. Sort of. I
2: saw Flying Lotus in 3D. It was quite exceptional. That's why that we have awesome. Bill
0: de Blasio as mayor. If you it guys... were a
2: holiday, I could have gone and voted. It should be a national holiday. You know, he would, have,
0: he would have said it should be a holiday if he lost, but because he won, it doesn't matter. Uh, there, I found this map from a law firm, but I don't know why they're doing this. There's a New York pedestrian accident statistics map every time a pedestrian's been hit by something. How many of them are
1: bicycles? <laughs>
0: I mean, that's why I don't like cyclists. Uh, let's go to Bushwick, and let's see, where are we?
1: Uh, We're looking pretty good, actually.
0: Oh, yeah, we are looking pretty good. A lot of single digits. Yeah. That's nice. You go further west into Williamsburg, it condenses. Oh, there's a lot on the Lower East Side. Jesus. 143. It's very impacted.
1: Yes. I wonder how much that's because people drink over there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I
1: don't know. I don't know.
0: But anyway.
2: If you're looking to get mowed down by a car as a pedestrian, that's where you go.
0: (laughs) But anyway, because it's Sunday night, Christian, that means it's time for our GitHub Issues of the Week. Our first GitHub Issue of the Week comes to us from our favorite JavaScript library, React! Inline style with decimal numbers. Uh, if a style property is passed in a decimal number, React converts the dot to a comma, resulting in an invalid CSS issue.
1: Ooh. Do
0: you think that's some kind of internationalization?
1: Yep. <laughs> I'm serious that, because they... Yeah, cause, yeah, no, no, that is definitely the case. Okay,
0: they got to fix it. Yep. <laughs> Easy peasy. Mo- you want to move on? That was like a
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, that was just like shame, shame, shame. I need to be. Shame I should just. You. I should just respond
0: to these React uh, GitHub issues because I seem to have an idea. Unlike the next thing. Ah, actually, this one isn't too bad. Our next GitHub issue of the week comes to us from Express. Request.query returns is not. Well, we skipped one. Did we? Yeah. Oh, how did I do that? Every week I do this. Okay.
2: Because of the uh, the zero indexing.
0: No, it's I clicked the wrong tab. Okay. Our second GitHub issue of the week comes to us from a chess piece called Rook. Deleting one object store via API or CRD is deleting all object stores in the cluster.
1: Yep. What, so, what is Rook, Rook other than a chess Rook piece? is a uh cloud native uh version of objects of an object store built on top of Ceph, which is an object store of its own. So why do they need
0: so to why don't you just use Ceph?
1: Uh so this has built-in integrations for things like uh Kubernetes, Docker Swarm, Mesos, uh cloud foundry and uh like so it's uh, just a little more seamlessly integrated than uh Ceph would be. And so uh, it's also just a little bit more user friendly. And the issue here is that when they go to delete magic stores, deleting all of them, the issue being uh, there is the root uh, store is not set up. Uh, it must have also been deleted. So uh, I don't, uh, really, the only way to fix this would be restoring the, uh, that pool.
0: Gotcha. What do they
2: sell at the root store? It's Rook. The what? Not root. Aww.
1: Oh, the root store. I see you're saying the root store. Yeah, the root blocks. Ah, you know, beets and squash and uh, carrots, carrots, ginger, radishes.
0: Okay, (laughs) Uh, we're not going to go Forrest Gump on this. Uh,
1: (laughs) Shrimp gumbo, shrimp scampi, shrimp
0: cocktail. All right. Uh, So they're being deleted because the root store doesn't exist, and once it's restored, we're all good. Yep. Wonderful. Moving on to our next GitHub issue of the week. Our next GitHub issue of the week comes to us from Express. Request.query returns is not an object, is get query function. Uh, Express, of course, is a popular library to exchange data, would you say? Communicate between. It's a, we- it's
1: a web framework.
0: Web framework for it- Node.
1: Yeah, you know, if you want like an, a web uh, app server, right? You, so, what if you, you if you Express. want to
0: exchange transactions over the internet, you would use something like Express. Yeah, it's the most basic no, that, server for yeah. Node.
1: Yeah, you, but you're using the, uh, the term a little too broadly, Eric. Like that, you're saying like things other than HTTP is. Oh, so that. just
0: HTTP requests?
2: It's like the leanest framework you can. Yeah,
1: have. gotcha. Well, co is leaner, but yeah. Oh, yeah,
2: based
0: off Sinatra. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. So what's going wrong with Express? Request.query returns is not an object.
1: Well, so uh, when they get like the, uh, they're looking for the query params in the request, and they just, uh, it should be parsed into an object uh, in Express, but it's getting an empty object even when there are queries.
0: But it looks like if they call request.query as a function, it actually gives you the query string.
1: Right. And that shouldn't be.
0: Ah, oh yeah, then rec.query is a function named getQuery, not an object. Why? Some, someone messed up, I guess.
1: Well, so the issue actually is then, uh, so JavaScript, basically, but uh, the JavaScript community, to be specifically uh, specific, rather, uh, th- this BPMN uh, dependency, uh, it seems like it is uh, a, br- a broken version, and so uh, the way to fix it would be locking it to a version that does
0: work. And what's BPMN?
1: That is a good question. I am unsure.
0: Do we want to guess?
1: Uh, let's see. Uh, petroleum. British petroleum.
0: Black. Nope. <laughs> if the
2: if the second word
0: not, isn't
1: <laughs> not, I'm not, I'm not playing this game. All right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that that P. Oh, it's
1: just like a middleware It's like a middleware uh, framework. Ah, gotcha. Yeah.
0: Okay. Anything else to add? Nope. Wonderful. Then moving on to our last GitHub issue of the week. Our last GitHub issue of the week comes to us from System D Race Condition Interface Renaming UDEV versus Network D.
1: Yep. System, system D is? System D is an init system, so it starts up all your processes from boot. Uh, it's in pretty much every popular current Linux distro. And it's uh, uh a little controversial some people say it's a little too overarching some uh, people like it though.
0: why would it be too and overarching?
1: It does more than just init systems it also it's also a network manager uh DNS, uh resolver uh um it handles your file mounts it'll uh, um what's the I'm thinking of oh it'll handle logging for you cool yep so uh what's the problem? there's a race condition? Yep, Uh, so when naming uh, your devices, UDev would normally handle this, and then the network manager will actually rename them. And that's actually what's happening. It just seems like there is a race condition between these two. And I got to love the uh, the creator of SystemD. The way he responds is... uh, networkd does not consider network devices until udev reported uh, they are available and d- it does so only after all rules ran and hence all interfaces got written fully are you sure it's udev itself <laughs> so I, he he's got some of the best pr uh commentate, commentating i've ever heard but commentary. uh commentary yes sorry it's fine and uh so it does seem that it is a uh, script of some sort that is actually uh causing this race condition what did he in networkd itself
0: in the, in the, he said, he said, Leonard Pottering is the second coming of Linus Torvalds when it comes to pull requests, yeah. territory, or a commentary. What
1: did he say? I just read what he said. He was like, uh, Are you sure uh, this is not the case? Oh, I blah, thought that blah, blah. was you saying that. No. No. <laughs> oh, okay. That, that was him. Gotcha. So, you know, it'd be like, You're wrong. Uh, I like that. Yeah,
0: I'm, I'm sure you do. <laughs> All right. Anything else to add? Nope. Wonderful. Well, after our GitHub issues of the week, it's time for Tyler's Plus Ones. Our pull requests, Plus Ones, are where we send out well wishes and acknowledgements of awesomeness to people and other organizations. Who's our first Plus One this week, Tyler?
2: The first Plus One is Uber. Uber. Although it's hard to give them a plus one in this day and age. Uh, it's more for the innovation than anything, because they announced flying cars could arrive in L.A. by 2020. Will they
0: add to L.A.'s smog
2: problem? Uh, who cares about that if they're taking away from the traffic <laughs> problem? That's true. <laughs> uh, so so what is the flying car going to be like? Uh, it looks like a big helicopter, more like a plane, but with wings on t- or with a helicopter choppers on top of the wings.
1: Oh. It's kind of like, you ever see that Tom Cruise movie, Instance Tomorrow or whatever it was? This actually After just Tomorrow? looks like
0: a giant drone.
1: Yeah, a little bit. But yeah. that's a
0: plane. That's an aircraft. It's, it's not, a not a car. a plane,
2: but it's got choppers on top of the wings, so it's more like a helicopter.
0: How is this a flying well, car? And it, it, it also has three wheels. That's also not a car. Well, it's, it's a flying tricycle. <laughs> But can you drive this on the highway? It doesn't look like it.
2: No, exactly. But it's not a car, Tyler. I didn't think so either, but that was a news article. (laughs) But wait, what if it's it's self-driving? That doesn't matter. It is self-driving. Then it's a self-driving plane. It's It's not a self-driving car. I just want to know if your backyard's big enough, will it drop you off in that? (laughs) That's a good point. Because right now it looks like it only drops you off from one skyscraper building to the next.
0: Right. I mean, would you, I mean, could could you take one of these flying Ubers for five blocks when it looks like it needs a runway. No, it looks it doesn't mean a runway, but it looks a like helipad. you'd be taking this
2: thing like 40 miles.
1: Well, my question is how noisy would it be if this became like a regular thing that everybody would take?
2: They look pretty quiet. You sure? How often do you hear helicopters overhead? I
0: mean, if you're you do hear them all, the, all time. the time.
2: <laughs> oh. Well, they look like smaller than helicopter...
0: They're actually really uh, annoying if you work by the Hudson River. Oh. <laughs>
2: Well then it's probably gonna be really annoying. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Alright, wonderful.
2: Uh, maybe you won't hear them through the smog. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Alright, Tyler, your next plus one goes to uh, music Kali. Music Kali. I'm not I'm not a preteen, so I don't know how to pronounce that. But... Christian? <laughs> yeah. <help> <laughs> What? No? <laughs> Sorry? Okay. Go on. It's a music app that the youngsters are using these days with their skateboards and their bubble gum and uh, I guess <laughs> it's karaoke, but they got like a billion dollars. So congratulations to them for, you know, making that internet money from teenagers. That's real internet money. <laughs> yeah.
0: Are they allowed to even get it? Because, oh, there we go. Three years after release, 30-something CEOs. Am I a 30-something now? I've been yeah. 30 for almost six months. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't want to be a thirty-something. I'm just, I'm just barely thirty. <laughs> ah. Anyway, musically got a billion dollars. And what are they going to do with it? I have no idea.
2: They're Who? like, they're probably going to go to the laser tag arcade. Okay. A million times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're going to have their own. They're going to go have laser tag tournaments in their backyard for the rest of their life. Congratulations. Great. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Number three. Number three goes to uh, High Fidelity and Digital Ocean because they made a VR server on the cloud. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a lot of details about that. It's just basically uh, they're launching a new cloud, you know, server that's targeted at VR, um, which is going to, you know, obviously be a very important thing. And It's got a lot of content and really big files that you're going to have to serve, so it should be really good for the future of that.
0: Great. Anything else? I got nothing. Well, that's been our Plus One. All right. Uh, oh, Christian. Yes. I, uh, that's still playing? Okay. <laughs> uh, I came up with a new segment for us. Oh. Apple a- Apple attack. That's right. Our Apple attacks, or we attack Apple because they are horrible. That,
1: that, that's about, that's so wait, it's going to just be the rest of the show, knowing you? No, no, no. So the thing is...
0: <laughs> no, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. So the thing is that after last week's show... I had I had an, a uh, an apostrophe. No way, no. That's an epiphany. <laughs> Go. That's a very r- vague hook reference. And uh, and I realized that while I was complaining about Apple throughout the course of the show, why don't I just keep it all in one box, concentrate it, and it's right hmm. here
1: with our. Well- so you didn't, even, you didn't even acknowledge what I said to you the other day, which was the unthinkable oh yeah, Well that a,
0: you uh, were uh, installing Windows 10
1: yeah, so i I have Why? a one terabyte s I have a one terabyte SSD on my desktop that runs Windows seven that I use entirely for gaming, and it's gotten to the point now where a, a lot of these games are just dropping Windows seven support. but Windows so seven is good it is. I updated to Windows ten. I gotta say it is not bad. And their upgrade is way better than an OS X upgrade. Everything works. Wow.
0: (coughs) But tech still looks horrible. If they fix that one uh, thing, I would almost use Windows. It's also the only OS
1: I use that can use my two graphics cards to their full extent.
0: You can't write some kind of bridge in Linux to do that?
1: Oh, no, it is using them. It's just not as well because it's not the proprietary driver. Oh, yeah, and you have DirectX on
0: Windows, which is much better than OpenGL or anything else. Yep. Anyway, because this is an Apple attack, let's not talk about Windows. <laughs> Apple, in their infinite wisdom, have released iOS 11 that has that has a bunch of bugs, like the calculator doesn't work. That if you type the letter I, it, cor- it auto-corrects it to the letter A and then a- an invalid Unicode character. That's right. The hmm. company, who's branded all of its products with the letter I, has a bug in its software if you type the letter I followed by a space. Wow. I, I I can't. They, ha, they have a nine hundred million dollar testing lab. That's more money than I than mo, most likely we will ever encounter in our in our entire lives. Nine hundred million dollars for what? They, this couldn't. Do they have QA? Like, I, how does how does this get through? And the, the the fix that they offered was one of the most ridiculous... I mean, this is a sign of the times with Apple. Wait, is it type A
1: and then it gets autocorrected to I?
0: No, you type the letter I and then a space. Like saying, I had lunch today. I space. It'll autocorrect that to A followed by an invalid Unicode character. So you'll see a question mark or some gobbledygook. Uh. Apple have said that the way to get around this is by adding an autocorrect rule so the letter I autocorrects to the letter I.
2: Why don't they do that?
0: That's what they should yeah. have done. And they actually, it, I think they have an iOS 11.1.1. About time. I'm still using iOS 10 on my phone because I know that 11 is going to make me have to get a new phone.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: With their planned obsolescence. So I'm still on iOS 10. But I don't even, I mean, if this is what iOS 11 is, uh, thats it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. There's, uh, what is it? I just lost my place here. Uh, yeah, iOS 11 calculator doesn't work. I mean, this is
1: just...
0: (laughs) This is, this is, this is really bad. And there's a music... That's not necessary. The iPhone calculator glitch, if you type 1 plus 2 plus 3, you don't get the number 6, you get 24. Why? Because the plus button doesn't actually click, doesn't actually trigger between when you hit, when you hit 2 plus 3. So it's saying 1 plus 23, (laughs) which is 24. Thanks, Apple. You got nothing on that, Christian? No, not really. Oh. Uh, here's one thing, Tyler. You talked about this last week. The Paradise Papers came out. Apple's yeah. secret tax bolt hole has been revealed, and it looks like uh, up until 2014 they were using a loophole in uh, between the U.S. and the Republic of Ireland called the Double Irish, which also sounds like what Christian does at bars on Friday nights. I don't know.
1: <laughs> what I missed
0: that. I know, fine. This allowed Apple to funnel all its sales outside of the Americas, currently about 55% of its revenue, through Irish subsidiaries that were effectively stateless for taxation purposes, so they incurred hardly any tax.
2: Do you have the quote by Tim Cook? Where he said, we don't hide money in shady ways, we don't just put it on an island anywhere.
0: Apple, I have this quote from Tim Cook, 2013, we pay all the taxes we owe, every single dollar. Well, yeah, they don't owe that much because they found these loopholes. Ireland has a tax rate of 12.5% for businesses. And the U.S. has a 35% tax rate for businesses. And so when they say that the U.S. has the highest corporate tax rate in the world, that's true, but... Very few companies actually pay the 35%. Yeah, we have one of the
2: lower... We're right in the middle if you look at the average tax rate that businesses right. pay.
0: The net tax rate is probably like 5%. It's the, yeah,
2: it's on the lower end.
0: You take out Apple. You take out GE. You take out Verizon. You take out Northrop Grumman. You take out all these billionaire companies. They find their way to wiggle through the tax system. Anyway.
2: B of A pays zero income tax sometimes.
0: Right. But yet us, the puppet people, I we pay gotta pay way up. more than that. I pay way more than that. Rabble rabble. Yes. Uh, so the European Commission calculated the tax rate for one of Apple's Irish companies for one year. That was 0.005%. That's five one-thousandths of one percent. Oh, they're not paying their taxes, lad. They are paying their taxes. They just have an obscenely low tax rate. They're <laughs> not paying enough. Hmm. My yeah. Irish accent's not good. So...
1: Oh, but this place, Conifer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you don't want to go to Conifer. You <laughs> don't want to go to that road. It said it remained the world's largest taxpayer, paying about 35 billion dollars or 26 billion pounds in a corporation tax over the past three years. And it did not reduce our tax payments in any country, right? Because they're using loopholes. Anyway,
2: I think that we should impose a new rule where if they don't pay taxes and we get to huck rocks at them for all the taxes that they didn't pay.
0: Well, the problem is, is that the corporate <laughs> tax rate is so one They're flying one us out Cupertino,
2: and we're hucking rocks at, <laughs> at their store.
0: They have a new building. They just, they're just they about to debut. That's why the laptops suck, because all of the engineers are working on their new building. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's in an endless circle that kind of grinds into the uh, landscape. There's an article about it, but that's not what we're going to talk about. Anyway, I think that's it. That's my, whole, that's my first Apple attack.
2: He didn't hyperventilate
0: this time. No, he didn't. Because he you guys gave me well. the space to express myself. That's <laughs> all that I wanted. And he didn't even soil himself. I know, because like I said, if you guys give me the permission well, to do it. Well,
2: maybe a little, Christian. You're not in the room. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You can't smell
0: anything from over there. <laughs> uh, moving on, we've got our ransomware update. Uh, there's a new ransomware released. It's called Cobra. Uh, Co- the new... Co- Cobra Crisis. Cobra Crisis, not Cobra Kai. I don't even know what that's from, True. actually. Uh, anyway, there's a new there's a new variant of the Crisis Dharma ransomware. Hopefully next week we'll have the Greg r- ransomware. Uploaded to his ID ransomware site. Jason Krustek then discovered a sample to confirm that it was indeed a new Crisis variant. When encrypting a file... It will just encrypt it and then add a special extension. For example, test.jpg would be con- con- uh, re- uh, encrypted and renamed to test.jpg.id some hash. And it should be noted that this ransomware script will also encrypt mapped network drives thanks to Windows. Thanks, Windows. Yeah, don't use Windows. Christian? Now you're using Windows. you got to worry about all this stuff.
1: you going back? I use Linux day-to-day. I just use it to play Shadow War. You have an God. antivirus on your Windows? I do. Okay. Is it Norton? No, it's a fast. Well, oh. it's not
0: going to work then. <laughs> well, at least he's not using Kaspersky. You better get McAfee uh, then. No,
1: McAfee. <laughs> I don't, I wouldn't touch McAfee. He's on an no, I Mac- Mac- McAfee identifies America. itself. Yeah, McAfee identifies itself as an antivirus. McAfee and Norton That's are virus. jokes.
2: Those are, those are my jokes.
0: Okay. <laughs> I don't want to use I don't wanna use McAfee after seeing a video of John McAfee.
1: Anyway. Would you use McAfee? Oh, I also use well? Clam A V, Giggity. Yeah, there you go.
0: Yeah, and the clam over there. Uh let's see. Ransomware, we did that. Uh this is all out of order. You know, I I pull these tabs up in order and then I just totally ruin it.
1: Tisk
2: tisk tisk. It's almost like it would be really cool if you could like program a program to like do it in order for One you. One day. Yeah, I wonder if. Yeah,
0: one day we'll have yeah, a show. I, I don't know where.
2: I don't know where you would like get the skills to do that. It's
0: more like thing. getting the time to do that.
1: <laughs> I think. I, I think it's called a browser.
0: Well, no, I mean yes, but no. Anyway, uh, moving to cryptocurrency, Ethereum's parody. Wait, what? Right? Did, don't we have the, uh, exploit? Oh, well, you can do that, Lex. Yeah, you exploited the exploit. You know, that's what I keep closing these tabs. They're out of order. This is horrible. Get, Use a get spreadsheet. Your- Get I your stuff in the spreadsheet, together. but what happens is when there's 20 tabs on my screen, I forget which one is which, and then I open it again, and that ruins Eric, it.
1: Eric, get your stuff together. And if you're going to take your stuff somewhere, take it somewhere. Take it to, to the stuff store. I don't know. Just take it somewhere. Put
0: it in a stuff museum.
1: Get, get your stuff together. Okay.
0: Our big exploit of the week uh, is about... Something that I have no idea what it is. This isn't helping me. Soundcore timer in the Linux kernel before 4.11.5 is vulnerable to a data race condition in the ALSA timer driver, result, <laughs> resulting in local users being able to read information belonging to other users. Wow. How in the sound library? In the sound timing library?
1: So in the audio card driver, and like this is the interface to the drivers. So like uh, unless you're using pulse audio. You're using an ALSA driver gotcha. in uh, Linux, and so with all of these, uh, in order to uh, interface with a sound card, you have this ALSA driver, and it has a timer pulling the device. But at the same time, you, you could do like some IOCTL operation to modify the device in some way. And in that time, two users who are both accessing that device can, who aren't supposed to see each other's data with that device, can see that uh, data. Jesus. Yep.
0: How do we fix this? it's
1: in memory. Uh, well, so there is a patch in the current kernel. This was uh, discovered uh, and fixed very quickly. Oh, if you look at it, yeah,
0: cool. So it's no longer exploitable, right? Gotcha.
1: Yep, that's cool. Uh, but like, you have to be running the latest kernel, which no distro ships the latest uh, kernel. What about, like
0: about our <coughs> digital ocean service?
1: <clears throat> uh, we'd have to update. Them. Let's do that. Uh, that's gonna scare me. Why? Uh, it's a new kernel. Who knows what's going to happen? We we're so
0: close. New kernel we're upgrades so are pretty, a pretty done. big deal. We're so close Updating to Updating a kernel done. is a big deal. I know, but it's extremely exploitable if we don't.
1: We're not... They don't, we don't have sound devices on the server. Ah, this is not, that's a great point. Yeah. That's a great point. <laughs> the, okay. That's fine. That's fine.
0: Okay. Uh, cryptocurrency connection. We need to get theme music for this. Can we do the, uh... Oh, sorry. I, I didn't mean that one. I meant... No. We can... oh, All there's right. Destiny's on deck. Deck. At deck. At deck. No. I want to use that somewhere. Why do we even have that button? Because that's how Eric spends expenses weekends now. <laughs> he listens to like that way around, around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, A security vulnerability in Ethereum's second most popular client, Parity, has been exploited by this address earlier today. I'm not clicking on that. Uh, All Parity multi-sig wallets have been frozen. I don't exactly know what a multi-signature cryptocurrency wallet is, Christian. Do you?
1: I would imagine that's either multiple people have access to the wallet or you have to have multiple keys to access the wallet. Huh. We'll have to save that for another episode. But... This includes the
0: Polkadot ICO, yet another initial (laughs) coin offering that shouldn't have happened, and may include many others totaling around 500,000 Ethereum or $150 million. Following the fix for the original multi-sig issue that had been exploited on the 19th of July, a new version of the Parity Wallet Library contract has deployed on the 20th. However, that code still contained another issue. It was possible to turn the parity wallet library contract into a regular multi-sig wallet and become the owner of it by calling the init wallet function. I think that's what it is. It's a shared wallet between people.
1: Okay, that makes sense.
0: So, that's pretty big. Yep. But it's just a client for Ethereum and not... When I read Ethereum's parity, I thought they meant like the parity bits or some kind of like, you know, some kind of error checking and you could create fake... Signatures or elements in the blockchain But not that wah, severe wah, wah. Yeah. Uh, let's see uh, Moving on uh, Bitcoin has a hard fork coming up We talked about it Segwit2x And uh, it's been put on hold Unfortunately it is clear That we have not built sufficient consens- consensus For a clean block size upgrade At this time Continuing on the current path could divide the community and be a setback to Bitcoin's growth. This was never the goal of SegWit 2X. And of course, we
1: need to fork Bitcoin Y. To basically uh, create um, inflation.
0: No, we need to create it because we need it because there's only a discrete number of yes. transactions that can occur in the Bitcoin yes. world.
1: Yes. Yes, as in inflation. But the Fine.
0: Okay. Uh
1: it's like increasing the amount of dollars in circulation.
0: It no, it's not. It's 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 increasing the availability of transactions. It's not it has nothing yes. to do with the availability of the currency. It's just saying that it's not the whole system's not going to break once 2 million people, 2 million billion transactions whatever happen. Right. When the fork happens, it doesn't change the value of Bitcoin though. It's not inflation. It's just allowing it's inflating the number of possible transactions. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Uh, here's a story you'll like, Christian. Sex toy company admits to recording users' remote sex sessions. Calls it a minor bug. Let's hear it. Why would I like this? I don't know. Let's hear it <laughs> from our news department. New on presents News to You. The internet. One sex toy company is in hot water. Levent. They've made a remote control vibrator at... Titty that inadvertently reports the users having sex. A Reddit user was the first to break the story, finding an audio file lasting about six minutes that was stored in their app's local folder. While users had given Lovenz access to their cameras and microphones, they did so for the chat functionality specifically, not to start a pornography studio in their home. Unfortunately, this isn't the first issue with Lavenza's loving products. Earlier this year, they their butt plug was also found to be hackable via a Bluetooth export. <laughs> and so many Americans are afraid of what happens next. We at least know the wild still turns and the truth marches on. And that's why this has been news to you. Brought to you by Pneumonia.
1: We've encountered a Trojan in your butt plug. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was nice. Yeah, it
0: was pretty good. Where's the audience?
1: The sneaky Romans.
0: <laughs> Actually, it was the Greeks? Uh, yeah, sneaky, sneaky. Um, I mean, in the Internet of Things, I didn't really think that we'd want to have uh, sex toys with Wi-Fi.
1: That's or Bluetooth. yeah. Why do you need a Bluetooth s- butt plug, Christian? I, I mean, I don't personally, but I, I no. I why mean- do you need it? I can think of, like, a few people I've met who would be into that. This
0: way you can activate it from anywhere?
1: Yeah. You just you just stick it in and go about your day, and then, ooh, ooh,
0: who's that? I mean, look.
1: I You can have you can like you're texting and increase the vibration or decrease the vibration accordingly. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I, I'm not into butt plugs, but, I mean, if I was into them, I feel like it'd be really cool if I could connect Spotify and play out
0: there. <laughs> to the beat.
2: <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm trying to play some Little Jon while I'm getting crazy.
0: Oh, you don't want to play? That would actually be... Never mind. Um... <laughs> Uh, the company representative emailed a statement confirming the user on Reddit was a representative of the company As explained in the thread I linked above, we do not store any audio files on our servers For the sound feature to work, we have to create a local cache file That was supposed to be deleted in the end of each session, but it's not With this bug, the cache file was stored on the user's device until the next session Where the new user session overrides the previous cache file Whoops <laughs> Look at the correction. Correction, 426 p.m. This article previously stated that Loven's created the WeVibe vibrator. That was incorrect, and we regret the error.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, funny, funny stuff. All right, let's take, let's take a quick break. Tyler, I think we have a special shout-out this evening. Oh, why don't you say it? <laughs> uh, why don't you say it? Uh, we have a shout-out to Cory
2: Xares, who will be moving here, uh, I guess, in six months now. And who is she? Uh, she's a good friend of the show and a promoter of the show on the West Coast. Uh, no, we don't have too many of those, so we're thankful to have her.
0: <laughs> That's right. Yes, yeah. thanks a lot, Corey. It was fun meeting you last week. Uh, we all got to meet
1: you. And yeah, uh, great meeting you. You're, sorry? I said great meet- meeting you. Yeah,
0: it was great. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and thank you for doing some guerrilla marketing for us On the wrong coast. We really appreciate it. (laughs) And uh, and hopefully you can move to the right coast in a few months. We'll be happy to have you. Okay, let's take a quick break as I find another song to play. Say, friends, do you live in New York City? Well, if you do, Pneumotium has a beautiful new product for you. It's called Where Am I, your five-barrow compass navigator to help you get anywhere from Staten Island. Just go to www.whereami.nyc on your mobile device and label location services. Find the closest neighborhood, borough, and three subway stops to you, wherever you are. No ads, no tracking, just geospatial brilliance. That's Where Am I? Brought to you by Pneumonium. Pneumonium, reinventing media daily. I'm almost at the limits of my voice today because, as you can hear it, I'm trying to fight off possibly a cold. The whole city's had one of those this week it's what happens when it becomes yep. 30 degrees for, for a day And then it goes back to 50
1: <laughs> Hibernation mode Yeah. Well, that and we travel in uh, Petri dishes Oh
0: yeah, and I, I, uh, I traveled in six Petri dishes yesterday I can't talk Yesterday as I was riding uh, to Saddle River, New Jersey And back I had to take no, you some way you, to l- the you licked the floor p- Sorry? Oh yeah, I licked the floor You have to to get on the train, mm-hmm. it's New Jersey So, I took the subway to the path to New Jersey Transit, which is a real train. Out of those three, which do you think was the actually the fastest?
1: Uh, The path.
0: It was the subway. Hmm. Believe it or not, especially on the way back, the only time that I actually felt like we were moving was on the subway. It's so sad. That
1: sounds bad, right, honestly. That's so
0: sad. And we have all these problems with the subway. Like, it's fine. I get back to New York. Oh, thank God. The subway in New Jersey sucks.
1: And then... You know, we complain every day about the subway.
0: That's how bad it well, is in New well, Jersey.
1: Well, take the Long Island Railroad. Or the Metro you'll, North. Um, you'll never complain about anything ever again if you take the Long Island Railroad on a weekday.
0: Oh, on a weekday. Yeah. I don't want to be on the commuter train. <laughs> I really I, Listen, I know what the Metro North is like on the commuter train. It's not nice. It's people paying $600 a month to, have a, to act like dicks on the train.
1: And it's better than the Long Island Railroad. It
0: is, but that's because Connecticut is a snootier state. But... <laughs> Uh, Not a whole lot
2: snooty about Long Island Unless you get to the Hamptons
0: That's true And then, then, then there's yeah. Ina Garten I'd really Anyway uh, Barefoot contestant um, Alright This week's episode Is about encryption Well last week's episode Was also about encryption This is encryption extended There were a few things That we left out Due to time constraints And there's new things That we want to add So we have A, a second part What did we talk about last week? I, I didn't listen to the show
1: I don't remember. You don't remember.
0: Something about encryption? No. Uh, we talked about what encryption is, how it works, what encryption keys are, the relevance of key sizes and their proportionality to security, how uh, various types of, of cryptography are performed. We talked about some uh, uh, symmetric key cryptography. We talked about uh, elliptic curve cryptography. We talked about honey cryptography. And if you'd like to know anything or anything more, listen to our episode, request.net slash PR38. This one, our 39th episode. Uh, oh, must hit 40. Almost at 40. Actually, 40 is going to be really special. Our yeah. 40th show next week on the 18th of November is going to be our first After Dark because it's our one-year anniversary show. <laughs> I can't believe it. Unless we all get deathly ill this week, it's going to happen. Knock on wood. Um, but I... Yeah, uh, it's going to be really cool, and we're going to do a pull request after dark, which means we're going to do things we won't tell you about, and put on the explicit tag. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. that'll be really fun. Uh, but this episode is a very normal episode about encryption. And uh, we talked about a lot. One thing that we left out uh, were one-way hashes, like MD5. And I, we've let, uh, we, we left them out because there are specific ty- Oh, Actually, there was no reason why we left them out. We just did. And uh, what is a one-way hash, Christian?
1: A one-way hash is a (laughs) uh, way of hashing something. (laughs) 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 Nice. (laughs) Uh, So a one-way hash is just a uh, you put uh, some data through a function that hashes it into a bunch of random uh, uh, bits. And then uh, only through the inverse of that function would you receive the actual data back.
0: Right, and so that function doesn't actually is not symmetrical. There's not a symmetrical operation, so you would you would calculate the validity of of your of of your plain text uh, by comparing the hash values that MD five creates. Yep. and this is actually in 2004 the standard way of do, doing user authentication in PHP. And because it's PHP and because it was 2004, there are many problems with MD five, and there is a uh, major security issue. Uh, in MD5, can you uh, expand on that?
1: Uh, well, just the fact that it is easy to exploit because all you can know is the uh, sconce. Yeah, the sconce. Uh, and then be able to generate the hash from there and the it's what? Pretty the easy. sconce? The, yeah, the um, the random uh, thing of. Uh, the nonce? But nonce, there it is. The sconce is like Where'd a it? shelf. <laughs> The nonce, uh, the uh, random uh, thing of bits at the end. But how can you it append- figure that out
0: without brute forcing? Or is it that is it just that, that computers have evolved to where they can brute force well, with MD5? That,
1: uh, MD5, I think it's uh, a, a guessable length uh, uh, that you can just uh, cut from the end. Gotcha.
0: Gotcha. Um, so we should not, if you are still using PHP, you should not be using MD5 anymore. What should they be using? Not PHP. Not PHP. There we go. <laughs> moving on. Pretty much. Uh, <laughs> uh, really, uh, I mean... But like Bcrypt or something. Who... Uh, yeah, uh, you could use Blowfish um, or...
1: Bcrypt or uh, like just um, SHA-256 if you're into hashes.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, and look, look those up for more information. Uh, moving on, we talked about prime factorization and integer factorization. And uh, that is really the bedrock of encryption, would you say? And that yep. the whole work involved in, de- in trying to hack encryption or, or brute force it uh, relies on the inability for computers to tell the factors of a number, especially if they were the product of prime numbers. Right. I need, I need you to, to talk, Christian. You got to speak. Okay.
1: Well, that, I had no input on that. No.
0: Yeah, but you can say, <laughs> like, okay, cool. Yeah, that's right. This way people know you're still alive. I got nothing on it. Yeah. Okay. You talked about randomness and pseudo-randomness. Uh, We didn't talk about... Or maybe... uh, Actually, we did. We talked about how Cloudflare uses lava lamps to encrypt the internet.
1: Oh, we didn't. Oh, we didn't? Uh, Okay. Good.
0: Well, they do. And uh, it's really interesting because roughly 10% of the internet's traffic passes through Cloudflare. And the... And they are my biggest competitor. Ah. Yeah. Do they all... uh, Do they all... Never mind. Uh... And this and is as the, the edge they have on
2: Christian's company.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to ask a, 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 a private question. Uh, and as the firm deals with so much encrypted traffic, many random numbers are required. According to Nick Sullivan, Cloudflare's head of cryptography, that's got to be a cool job, this is where the lava lamps shine. Instead of relying on code to generate these numbers for cryptographic purposes, the lava land, lamps and random lights, swirling blobs and movements are recorded and photographs are taken. This footage is then turned into a stream of random unpredictable bytes, according to Sullivan. Quote, this unpredictable data is what we use to help create the keys and encrypt the traffic that flows through Cloudflare's Cloudflare's network. That's pretty cool.
2: I wonder how hard it would be to try to mimic a lava lamp and if it's truly really random.
0: Lava lamps are actually random. Huh. That's why that's why I think we mentioned lava lamps last week. We just didn't talk about Cloudflare and Lava Lamps. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if you, you know, they were a staple of, uh, team of, of so uh, some guy got 60s baked in the sixties
2: and, and created true randomness.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I wanted a lava lamp when I was a kid in the nineties, <laughs> they came back. If you went to Spencer's or sharper, English. I had one They're They're Yeah, I remember. Ah, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, so that's actually a way to introduce true randomness to develop a randomized cryptographic key, because otherwise we have to do something that's called pseudo randomness. And what is that?
1: That is trying to make randomness, be, being that you can't really create randomness. Algorithmically. Yes. Right.
0: That's the whole problem. Um, <clears throat> we talked about uh, SSL and TLS and how end-to-end encryption is kind of how we can have uh, secure transactions in the 21st century world. How people are assaulting uh, our ability to encrypt end-to-end. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, one other thing that we we missed was talking about key exchanges. Now, why does a key exchange need to happen?
1: In order for the recipient to uh, be able to decrypt uh, the message that was sent.
0: Okay, so oh, that's right. So, in public key cryptography, right? Uh, well, what's going on? Is it a drug bus question?
1: Oh, no, they're just fire trucks going down my street. This happens every once in a while. Oh,
2: thank God they didn't find your drugs. <laughs> 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 uh, this was a one, second. one second, one second.
0: This was a bad place to put the headphone cable. Eric
2: stepping right. on the headphone cable,
0: it's like right in my feet. Uh, yes, and so uh, okay. In public, in public key or, or public key cryptography, you need to be able to transmit or exchange. And now we hear it over here. Huh. That's funny. It's <laughs> that, that actually pretty here. funny. Yeah. Like where is it going? And now we hear it outside my window. Um, anyway.
1: Coming to They're going to find hmm. Eric's drugs.
0: Now, I don't have any drugs. This is a drug-free show. <laughs> Why anyway, did come over then. That's for after the
1: show.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, that's for the after dark episode. No, uh, uh, Diffie-Hellman, named after its inventors Whitfield Diffie and Martin Hellman, attempts to solve this problem of exchanging keys in an insecure channel in order to create a secure channel.
1: And so, you also got things like fault. Uh, what is Vault? Uh, hash Corp's uh, key. Uh, well, it's an encrypted store that you can actually use to uh, publicize keys. Then that, uh, that if you only have a key to it, uh, you have access to. Oh, it's like a last pass for
0: encryption. Anyway. For like...
1: Yeah, yeah, like last pass but for like infrastructure, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh in these examples given in cryptography of how uh people communicate or how uh information is is transferred, we use uh, uh two people called Alice and Bob, A and B. In the first step of this Diffie-Hellman key exchange, Alice and Bob both choose a large random number with which they both keep secret. Let's call Alice's n- random number A, Bob's random number B. Now, Using a mechanism that is part of the protocol, Alice uses A to compute a second number, which is denoted G of A. Bob uses the same mechanism to compute a number, G of B. Then Alice and Bob share G-A and G-B with each other over a public channel. So now we have the following situation. Alice knows her her private key, and then G-A, which is her public key, and G-B, which is Bob's public key. Bob knows his private key, B, Alice's public key, G-A, and his public key, G-B. Anyone being able to read their communication, however, only knows the public keys that are being used. Now, using the same mechanism as before, Alice uses her secret number, A, and the number G-B, which Bob sent her, to create a new number, G-B of A. Likewise, Bob uses B and G-A to create a number G-A of B. And because it's multiplication, the products of the two will actually be the same number, meaning that that's the shared key. The reason why this works is while it's, al- while it's easy for Alice to use, and for, uh, use A and to compute G of A, it's impossible for someone who only knows G of A to compute A, which is a private key. And the same, of course, goes for Bob and his private key. It's also impossible to compute the shared secret key using only the public keys available. Because they're multiplied by the, pro- by the private keys. That makes sense.
2: Sounds pretty smart. I had a hard time finding the article you found.
0: Ah, yes. Um, <laughs> and uh, hmm. let's see. Uh, but while computers keep getting faster, I keep doing this Once every five heck? minutes. You know, it's because the headphone cable is like between my legs. And as I
1: move... We need to get. We need to fix this. This is really. Eric, I'm giving you a straitjacket for the holidays.
0: It's not me. You Eric, can't, straight straitjacket doesn't go over your legs.
2: Eric, she's having a problem with the thing between his legs. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, but because computers get, uh, keep getting faster, this sometimes make, br- makes brute forcing possible. And in fact, many Diffie-Hellman implementations can use numbers. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, so they can u- They can create exceedingly long keys. 1024 bits Uh, however uh, these days uh, this paper this white paper shows these public keys can be cracked within a year for around 100 million u.s dollars some people believe Uh. that it can be done even more cheaply (laughs) while 100 million dollars is not beyond the reach of the most powerful nation states like the u.s it is unlikely that they'll ever pay that much to crack a single key did a name drop, God. Well, you know, it's in dollars. What country do you think of when you think of dollars? Luxembourg. Us. Ah, you go. <laughs> Australia, maybe? I don't know.
2: <laughs> do they, does Luxembourg actually use a dollar? No way. No. They just have a Luxembourg.
0: I think they have the euro. Again. Uh, imagine what would happen if many Diffie-Hellman implementations used the same fixed prime number. An adversary could spend a lot of time and money trying to figure out what that prime number was, and then to crack the key exchanges as they happen in real time. Knowledge of the secret key allows an adversary to read all the supposedly encrypted traffic between millions of Alice's and Bob's around the world, but they can't be decrypted. And this is exactly uh, what the paper showed, for example. in the One in six of the most used HTTPS servers shared the same prime number. It's even worse when it comes to VPN servers, of which 66% use the, sh- the same shared prime number. And although the latter figure has been disputed, it was indeed what the NSA used to read VPN traffic. Oh, sorry, if this was indeed what the NSA used to read VPN traffic, excuse me, me. it would explain some, uh, some Snowden slides rather well.
2: I, I'm just thinking of, I'm pretty sure they did a limit on, on like the highest, or they have supercomputers every once in a while try to find the highest prime number they can, and it's astronomical, but it's pretty finite.
0: Yeah, I think there's an algorithm to yep. find the, the uh, biggest prime number.
1: There is, and it's uh, n to the n.
2: Is it a single uh, number? Is there a single limit that we have, that a finite limit, or is it infinite?
1: No, it, it is infinite prime numbers. It's just like uh, it's a very large set. And uh, the algorithm to calculate prime numbers is order n to the n, so it's a very uh, computationally heavy gotcha. algorithm. Gotcha.
0: Man, I feel like I just came down with
1: something. You and I both.
0: No, I'm like I like I just got nauseous and I feel warm and stuff and I just I don't know. I'm So glad I came. So over.
1: it's gonna be the late. It's gonna be a late set swirling yourself this time.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, can we like, should we take a break or I just I really can you guys talk about something for a minute? While i use sure. the bathroom. I'll be I'll be right back.
1: What do you want to talk about, Christian? Uh, I don't know. Let's See, we're on the topic of encryption. Um, hmm. Have you seen those Yubi keys? Those are pretty cool. What's that? They're these uh, hardware keys that are basically function like a GPG key for your signature, but they're hardware. So you can, like, plug them into the USB slot, and it's like, oh, you identify as so-and-so because you have this physical key that if you were to give to someone else, you're basically giving them your social security card. Huh. So yeah, it's a pretty cool thing.
2: So it's like an ID card on a USB stick.
1: Sort of. It's like, uh, basically, like, you say, like this is a USB stick that says you are who you say you are. Mm. And you can use that to like, uh, like uh, companies will use that to, uh, for like almost like kind of like, uh, yeah, um, you know, uh, in movies when they're like, oh, we got to fire off the nukes. And it's like three people in the world have keys for the nukes. Yeah. It's kind of like that for like company secrets where it's like, oh, this uh, incredible secret uh, thing, whether it be like a, um, like a company's, Uh, key to uh, sign certain things or if it's like some secret data and only three people in the company can have access to that you can have that with uh, these yubi keys it's pretty cool
2: huh isn't that like git or github where they have like five people with the keys
1: yeah that's exactly like it where you got uh uh, basically they do the uh, uh root uh gpg verification that's wild yeah
2: huh that's cool, but what about uh, what kind of threat does that pose for um,
1: uh, identity theft? Well, somebody can steal your UBI, and then you're screwed.
2: I mean, what about uh, copying it? You know, uh, I mean, do you mean physically stealing it, or do you mean copying it?
1: Yeah, physically stealing it because uh, it is something that like you can't copy it over to another thing; it's read only.
2: Ah, that's helpful. You can't get yep. in it and modify it, no matter what. Right. Can't CH mod.
1: Nope. It's not like a it's not like a regular file system either. It's just like this uh, f- uh, physical thing that uh, has its own drivers. It's not like a traditional uh, USB flash drive for uh, just mount a new file system when you plug it in. It's it's uh, it's its own uh, thing where it's just like oh, it's got its own driver to it where it's just basically a single file on it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool.
2: It's a one way street. <laughs> uh, so what's hot with code with you?
1: Ah, not much, but I've been focusing on work lately. Uh, uh, Kubernetes put out a new a, external DNS uh, project that um, my company will be integrating with uh, soon. That'll be cool. That's sweet. Yeah, that should be good. How's Go these days? Go's pretty, going pretty well. It's a uh, uh, new version's going to be coming out. Let's see, they had the October release recently, and... Uh, uh, so I guess next one wouldn't even be till August, but it's been doing some pretty cool stuff. How's uh the JavaScript and Ruby treating you?
2: JavaScript's good. Not much Ruby. I know that uh, Node version nine came out, but it's uh I'm so happy with it these days. I don't really need any updates. I'm gonna check out the changes though soon.
0: You guys couldn't keep the banter on
1: encryption. We started that we, way. We literally just switched.
0: <laughs> oh, that's fine. I had to. Uh, I didn't. I didn't do any. Nothing gross. I just needed to sit down and. Recalibrate for a minute because, uh, like I said, I really think I might be getting sick. I need to get a thermometer,
1: figure out if I have a fever or something. But the show well, must know, go on. Well, I'm not the one you're getting isn't for your mouth. No, it has a
2: Bluetooth exploit.
1: All
0: right, yeah! I think we might have to cut the show a little short. We're not done yet, but Jesus. <laughs> uh, uh, I- Did you lose half your <laughs> body weight there? You know, no, it was, it, the problem is, like I mentioned, I have acid reflux, and I'm now existing in this state between like, not eating enough and then eating the wrong food, and I don't know what I'm doing. So, anyway. Um, so we were talking about uh, Diffie-Hellman key exchanges and that uh, some providers might be using fixed prime numbers or this, rather than recalculating them every time. And we said VPN servers 66% use the same prime number. That's really bad.
2: It's like everyone's using the, yep. using password one, two, three.
0: Yeah, <laughs> basically, basically. Um,
2: all right. Try harder browsers. Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, let's see. Moving on. Uh, there were the, uh, crypto wars. there's like a second of silence in this clip that I hit. And I think that's the reason why it always, it messes up my timing. Uh, The crypto wars were an unofficial name for the U.S. government and allied government attempts to limit the public and foreign nations' access to cryptography. Did we win? Uh, Not exactly, because, I mean, we came out with a, uh, I think we came out on top because we are exporting, not exploiting, I guess we are doing that too, but we're exporting cryptography. (laughs) It's raining. Uh, From the country, and that used to be illegal. Used to not be able to ex- export anything that uh, contained any encryption algorithm. And now you can. And now you can. <laughs> but I mean, so That's I have to trade. <laughs> no, I mean, it's not. I mean, it's, it's, it's different, though. Uh, it, it, encryption export controls became a matter of public concern with the indoctrination of the personal <laughs> computer. Phil Zimmerman's PGP crypto system and its distribution on the internet in 1991 was the first major individual level challenge to control, uh, to controls on export of cryptography. So it wasn't even until 1991 where people could, uh, can encrypt things at home on their computer. And that of course spawned electronic commerce and buying things online and doing online banking and all this other stuff. Um,
1: also, in the mid- but you know the government they love backdoors
0: exactly and uh, Bluetooth exploits and butt plugs anyway uh, <laughs> speaking of backdoors eh, um, <laughs> what did we learn about in those JFK
2: files? <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, well, Marilyn <Mel> Monroe <laughs> had a Bluetooth butt plug. <laughs> exactly, exactly.
0: Uh, the longest key size allowed to export without individual license proceedings was forty bits.
2: <laughs> wow, if your key is too long, you need a license for it, huh?
0: So Netscape developed two versions of its web browser. The U.S. edition had the full 128-bit strength, but the International Edition only had 40-bit encryption because of these challenges. Sucks for them. Uh, (laughs) No. Uh, The International Edition had an effective key leg uh, reduced uh, by revealing 88 bits of the key in the SSL protocol. That seems weird. Hmm. And acquiring the U.S. version turned out to be a significant hassle for most computer users. So even in the U.S., they ended up with the international version. Great. Whose weak 40-bit encryption could be broken in a matter of days using a single personal computer in the 90s. Oops. A similar situation also occurred with a 90s program called Lotus Notes. Hmm. Uh, Currently, non-military cryptography exports from the U.S. are controlled by the Department of Commerce. Uh, and their Bureau of Industry and Security. Some restrictions still exist, even for mass market products, particularly with regard to rogue states and terrorist organizations like ISIS. Militarized encryption equipment like, uh, 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 sorry, not like, but also Tempest-approved electronics. I don't know what Tempest is. Custom cryptographic software and even cryptographic consulting services still require an export license. Sweet. So you still need some kind of extra license to export cryptography in the U.S., as long as it's for the military or something more advanced than we have access to personally. In the U.K., it wasn't until 1996 where they, uh, they, they allowed export licenses uh, unless they used weak ciphers or short keys, which really made them useless. A debate about cryptography for the NSS brought, uh, N- NHS brought this out in the open, and I guess that they weren't encrypting patient records and now they had to or maybe it was hacked I don't know I really feel like I've just I've lost it since I had to take that break I lost the energy
1: you really did lose half your body weight didn't you I just
0: yeah Um, okay let's see Uh, talked about crypto wars Uh, one other thing from the 90s was talking about the Clipper chip. And this was a chip that was included in, or that, uh, sorry, uh, that the NSA wanted to include in computers, in all personal computers, and then would give them a backdoor into it. And this was, and I remember at the time, as a kid, people were talking about these government backdoors into all PCs. And, uh, yeah. And so uh, the Clipper chip... ...was that, and it was based on an encryption algorithm called Skipjack, developed by the NSA in the 1980s. By itself, Skipjack was secure enough to be considered a Type 1 NSA product, something suitable for government and military use for sensitive communications. Skipjack is ostensibly larger than DES we talked about DES last time. Based on an 80-bit key, while DES's effective key length was only 56 bits, even with triple DES. As of 93, the algorithm was still classified. But the extra twist twist added for the Clipper chip was the key escrow, a feature promoted heavily by then-Vice President Al Gore. The government would keep a record of each tamper-resistant chip's chips key indexed by its digital signature. Before starting an encrypted session with another chip, the Clipper would send a string of data as part of the session initiation called the Law Enforcement Access Field. A hash of identifying number... Of an an identifying number that would give the government the digital signature needed to get the keys and decrypt the call. This is exactly what they're clamoring for now, and it existed 20 years ago. (laughs) The result was that the government could, in theory, intercept any conversation from any point in the connection. That is, if they could get people to actually use the clipper chip. And uh, that was the problem. in fact... Uh, Diffie, from Diffie Hellman, testified to Congress in 1993. The effect is very much like that of the little keyhole in the back of combination locks used on the lockers of school children. The children open the locks with the combinations, but the administrators just use the key. Wow. The government had had an added stick. While it could not mandate specific (laughs) encryption standards, it could offer relaxed export controls on encryption products that use the Clippers key (laughs) (laughs) escrow. Because they can hack it. In the 90s, yep. encryption tools were subject to heavy export controls like we just mentioned.
1: Huh. Not anymore. The only way to get enough people... T- wait, wait, wait. Funny, Bill Clinton knew about this encryption. Yeah, Hillary Clinton, her email server. <laughs> but that didn't have the Clipper chip. The only way I to know, get enough uh, people to I, use... I, I, I was trying to make a joke about security. Oh. The only way to get enough
0: people to use the Clipper... T- this actually sounds like it was with Al Gore and not Billy. Uh, but... Uh, hey, I do it again! I did it, uh, this is what, five times? Yeah, he's getting really what, good. What, you crap your man. Oh, man. Okay. The only way to get enough people to use the clipper chip and to make it a viable tool for the government would have been to ban all other types of encryption. And, as Diffie pointed out, if other encryption was criminal, then only criminals would use encryption. And that's the same argument that we have now, 20 years later, almost 25 years later.
1: Funny how that happens. It is.
0: And the question is, if it didn't work in the 90s... And they actually really tried in the 90s. What do they expect now? Do they think that we could just go through the same thing again and then be fine?
1: Well, 9-11 didn't happen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I you know yourself. what? That's it's actually uh, – that might be why they can try it again or they think they can try it again. Um, yeah, uh, Deputy Attorney General Rob Rosenstein – he gave a speech about encryption a, a month ago, and it prompted a considerable amount of blowback because he used a lot of propaganda, propagandistic government terms in his speech, like calling it a going dark problem, well, uh, it's, it, which is the inability for uh, law enforcement to pry into all of our communications. So they actually have to do work rather than just sniff in front of computers. What I would brand strong encryption, the, D- the DOJ likes to call warrant-proof encryption. That's the term Rosenstein uses in his speech. We're both referring to the same thing, encryption that does not provide a mechanism for law enforcement or the provider of the encryption to gain access to the plaintext with or without a warrant. It's mathematically impossible. Yet Rosenstein used different rhetorical frames, and because we have, answer- we have different answers to this question. Should there exist spaces in human society that cannot be policed? Christian. What do you think? Uh, Should there exist spaces in human society that cannot be policed?
1: Well, that's, that's a tricky one. Yes uh, or no?
0: If there's strong guess, encryption, then that's a yes, because I can't be policed.
1: But yes, Theresa May because, like,
0: says no safe spaces for terrorists. you know. I
1: mean... I'd say then my answer would be yes, because it's math, there's no way around it, it's math.
0: Tyler, what about you? Sounds right with yes. Yes, I totally agree. It's clear what the DOJ's answer is. It's, It's no. In fact, they say there's never been a right to absolute privacy. And that's what Rosenstein, Rosenstein said in his speech. This is an attempt to normalize in Americans' minds a cramped understanding of how much privacy we have, and a correspondingly expansive view of government power. Yet it does not reflect reality. He uses the term "warrant-proof surveillance-friendly encryption," which that can't. That sounds like uh, an oxymoron. Sure does. Uh, Rosenstein calls it responsible encryption. He's reviving a term used in 1996 by then-FBI director Louis Freh. Freh? Free? F-R-E-E-H. He called it socially responsible encryption. Responsible here means allowing law enforcement to get access to it. And then by definition, end-to-end encryption becomes irresponsible and then bad. So we should ban it. Building a smartphone that's encrypted by default, like the iPhone, where not even Apple can unlock it because they're not keeping the keys anywhere. That's irresponsible. And that's not what the government wants. In their he, eyes. He portrays these companies as scoff laws, recklessly enabling violent wrongdoers behind a fig leaf of, quote, absolute privacy. Which is not a real term. That's another term that the DOJ invented.
2: That's a tough, tough subject.
0: Yeah. He, the, the people in government... Constantly try to imagine a world Where things can be secure But they have a secret key Where they can access it Those two That's mutually exclusive Yeah They can't be able to unlock Everyone's encryption While having it be secure And not able for hackers To unlock it So I can only imagine The Clipper chip That whatever it used Might have Maybe that was even using Minix (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Like Once that gets cracked Then it's all over So that's the thing And then the Clipper chip, like we said, would have only worked if they banned other types of encryption. So, only the criminals would have the stuff that they would be able to use to elude cops, which is exactly the problem. Mm Mm-hmm. Much like DRM and other types of copy protection, these things only hurt the legitimate users because the criminals are just fine.
2: It's always going to be a technology race.
0: Yeah, but... Yep. It would be nice if the people in the race knew everything about technology, or anything about technology, really. You mean the judges of the race? Or the, or, or the politicians arguing to delete encryption. Yeah, they're the judges in the race. Right, well, they're not, because it gets argued in a court before a judge. Oh. And then they're the judge in the race. But the thing is, is that the, there's, I, I don't understand why these people just don't get it's math. That's it. When you do it right... It just works. It's math. You can't crack it. That's what makes it so strong. That's what makes it the bedrock of 21st century communications.
1: We... Well, people are stupid, so there's that.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I wouldn't. I, I don't like just saying people are stupid, but uh, maybe he's maybe Rosenstein's being willfully ignorant. I don't know.
1: That sounds accurate. That that, that also just means stupid. <laughs>
0: Well, willfully ignorant does not mean stupid. That means he's a very coy person. Um,
1: <clears throat> no, I mean stupid.
0: Speaking of... I, I, don't, I, don't, I won't stand for your ableist slurs, Christian. Uh, speaking, of, uh, speaking of the Department of Justice and Apple... should have kept this in my Apple attack, but it's much more relevant contextually here. The FBI is currently investigating the circumstances surrounding the shooting of 26 people at a church in Sutherland Springs, Texas. We heard about that last week. I think it was really sad. The shooter... <coughs> Devin Kelly is a white man now, is dead. So law enforcement had to work with what evidence he's left behind. On Tuesday, FBI special agent Christopher Combs gave a press conference in which he lamented the fact that the FBI has so far been unable to unlock Kelly's phone. On Wednesday, Apple let the world know that it may have been able to help, but the FBI waited more than forty eight hours to inform Apple or the public that it was trying to unlock an iPhone. I guess they can use the find my iPhone feature. At a minimum, Apple said it could have suggested trying the Touch ID feature in that 48 hours, but it's too late now. I don't know what that means, actually. That suggests number six. That suggests that Apple has a secret loophole uh, or backdoor into macOS or iOS. Doesn't it, Christian?
1: Well, that or they were suggesting to use the dead body's hand or something. (laughs) For Touch ID. Oh, God.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well... I, why is it 48 hours? Your fingerprints because don't go away do. 48 hours?
1: Maybe they decomposed by then. I don't know. Oh, or maybe the, the, it's just after 48 hours, you can't use Touch ID to unlock. Ah, that's, uh, like.
0: that's what it was. Okay,
2: that's Cause much then less then gruesome. Because then people were trying to bring a dead body to touch the phone. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which after forty eight well, hours by Apple you're presumed dead.
0: You're not logging into iCloud. What happened to yeah. you? Come on. You know you love us. Uh the thing is, is that we have this guy, Deputy Attorney General, Rod Rosenstein. Uh is that Rodney? Anyway. Uh Rosenstein No, it's the same Rosenstein. You just call him Uncle Rod, oh. right?
1: Yeah, Uncle Rod. <laughs> yeah. Uh Jews. Uh well, like Larry David pointed out in the SNL the other week, all these people coming out in the news lately, a lot of them are Jewish.
0: I'm not going to talk about that. That's something completely different. Um, yeah. <clears throat> at a breakfast for business leaders in Maryland, whatever he gave the speech. He gave the speech we talked about, and he talks about cybercrime. How much he'd love to get into anyone's phone whenever he has an investigation, because in the 20th century you could just wiretap, and now you can't. And I can't believe he's making state. Well, I can't believe because actually. What uh, James Comey said last year about the uh, San Bernardino iPhone has a very similar, uh, very similar timbre, which is nobody has uh, has a uh, legitimate expectation of privacy on your cell phone. And, and that the suspect is deceased, and even if he were alive, it would be legal for police and prosecutors to find out what is on the phone. Now, ironically, if he were using the newest iPhone, iPhone X, they would have solved this problem by waving the phone in front of his dead face, and it would actually unlock it. Wonderful.
2: <laughs> That's the future.
0: That's the future. If you get arrested, the cops can unlock your phone while you're handcuffed by waving it in front of your face. Thanks, Apple.
1: Sorry, that was outside of my Apple attack.
2: If you plan on doing crime, you probably shouldn't be on iOS.
1: Yes. That's and burner or, phones for. Th- or throw acid <laughs> on your face. Either work. Yes.
0: And our last story for the evening, because I'm about to pass out, is about a snake. So It's a... It's a, it's a woman who spied on her husband's phone midair and used his... He was, he was asleep and she used his asleep hand to unlock his phone with Touch ID and then went through his phone looking for things. She, of course, because she's the type of woman to do this, she also found something, which is that he's been cheating on her. And then what who? happened? They made the plane emergency she land. It caused a mega scene. Misbehaved, they say, saying it lightly. The situation then got out of hand, and the pilot made the decision to divert. It was a flight uh, from uh, somewhere, uh, from uh, Doha to Bali. And uh, they had to divert an emergency land, and then kick those people off the plane and continued on to Bali. Wow.
1: I like how it leads off with an inebriated woman. Oh, yeah, she's
0: very drunk. And when yeah. you're on the plane for six hours, what do you do? Oh, I don't know. Let me just rifle through my husband's phone.
2: Well, here's the other thing that I was wondering: is she's Iranian and she was drunk? I don't know if she's allowed to do that. So,
0: yeah, or that's a religious but, thing. Yeah, that's not a yeah, yeah but thing. it's
2: Sharia law where their religious law is their law. Uh, I don't think so Look That's... up laws it's, it's that way in Egypt It's that way in a lot of
0: No but Iran yeah. Iran is very Iran is no. Is very western No They're super
2: conservative They
0: have iPhones in Iran They're like number three After so? UAE And
2: they might be number two They're like really tough there mm. It's like
1: Eric that was the most Millennial thing I've ever heard like you say pe- They have iPhones in Iran Yeah Well I had, a, I had an Iranian roommate When I
0: was in college And he told me And this was when we were Bombing Iraq And uh I guess we still are Heavy metal music is a crime in Iran are you sure that's not Iraq?
2: No, it's Iran, dude. You have those two confused. Iraq has like no laws right now because we screwed it up and they can't well, figure out
0: politics. That's another story. Uh, we're 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 trying to democratize them or whatever. Anyway, okay, <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. All right, I think I think all right. I've, I've I've stepped too far in the wrong direction, and I think on that bombshell, it's time to end. So wow,
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's a pun right there. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man. Well played, Eric. <laughs> man. Didn't even mean to do it.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, so, Christian, do you approve of this week's pull request? It looks good to Tyler, me. Tyler, how about you? Yeah, I do. And, of course, our wonderful studio audience. <laughs> yeah. Great. Well, then, let's all hit merge. And we'll see you next week, right here on Pull Request. The views and opinions expressed at the request do not necessarily reflect those of Pneumonium LLC or its subsidiaries. This week's theme music provided by Tech, Visit them at VULFPECK.com.